Dean Carmizi. You know this man? He is referred to by some as the ultra marathon man. He ran the farthest amount of any human being, 262 miles over a 75 hour period. This man ran up mountains through Death Valley all the way to the South Pole, becoming the first person ever to consume an entire pie of pizza while running. And of course, the question is how? How did he do this? And of course, the answer is lots of training and more training. And I wonder how many times did Dean Carmizi go out to run and train when he just didn't feel like it? And could he have accomplished this extraordinary feat if he only ran when he felt inspired to? And I'm sharing this because in our Parsha this week, we are introduced to the second of our patriarchs, Isaac, Yitzchak. What do we know about Yitzchak? There aren't as many exciting stories about Isaac, the second of our patriarchs, as there are about his father, Abraham, or later his son, Jacob. Yitzchak doesn't seem to have the same kind of drama like his father or his son later in life. Twice in his life, Avram had to leave Israel and go to Egypt to escape a famine. Yaakov we see running away from his brother Esav. Yitzchak, though, seems to stay in the same place his whole life in Israel, virtually in the same place. No crazy ups and downs in his life, having to leave his hometown because he was preaching against the system like his father. Avraham, no getting tricked into marrying the wrong woman like his son Yaakov. In fact, his, his beshert, his soulmate, was brought right to him. No drama, no Upper West Side dating for years. And I believe that this explains another famous tradition about Yitzchak and the rest of our forefathers. Talmud tells us that we Jews pray three times a day, either because there were three, there were actually two sacrifices brought in the temple and then a third sometimes at night, or because of the Avot, because of the patriarchs. Tzfilah Keneged Avot Tiknu prayer, says the Talmud, was established by forefathers. Abraham established Shacharis. He went out early in the morning. And he saddled his donkey early in the morning to go out to the Akeda, to the binding of Isaac. Yitzchak was Mencha. Yitzchak Lasuach Basadeh. He went out to meditate in the field. Ein Tzfilah, the Gemara says, the Talmud says, that means he was meditating, he was praying. And Yaakov, Jacob, Mariv, the evening service. Now, some like to suggest that of the three prayers that our patriarchs instituted, Mincha, the middle one, the one established by Isaac, expresses Judaism's unique contribution to the world. Because Shacharis and Mariv, you know, there are no atheists in foxholes. Everyone believes when they're scared and when they're in need that it's a good time to daven, to pray. And that's what we do at night. Jacob was running from his brother Esav, and he prayed for protection, and we do that to this day. And all religions believe in thanking God when things are going well, when the, when, when a new the sun rises in the morning and you're feeling positive about your day ahead of you. Judaism's special contribution to the world is mincha, is the afternoon prayer service, because mincha is sandwiched right in the middle of the day. And it doesn't represent anything terribly exciting, like feeling, you know, alive in the morning and thanking God or fearful at night and therefore praying for his protection. Mincha is just right there in the middle of our workday, calling us to God to connect, not because of any high or low feelings, but simply because we have relationship with him. Mincha is the prayer service we engage in, not because of any emotional pull, but precisely because it's part of a routine. And we hate that word. The word routine sounds like it's a big yawn. 
It's boring. It's monotonous. We want to act when we're moved, when we feel something that inspires us. But remember, there's no relationship that ever came about, no great successes in anyone's career or athletic feat that, you know, no sprints or races ever won without there being times when we just act because we're committed to something and not because we're feeling something, but because intellectually we're committed to something. Greatest things in life, our careers, our relationships, everything we would all agree is our key to our happiness requires consistency if we're going to be successful. And therefore, by definition, we have to work at those parts of our lives even when we don't feel like it. And we know this, dieting, exercise, are never going to produce the results we want if they're not done consistently. And we, we know this of so many important things in life, but yet when it comes to our Judaism, we don't always apply this. Somehow when it comes to our religious lives, our attitude centers on what we're feeling at the particular moment. And so when we see a religious Jew, involved in a mitzvah, and he or she does not look terribly inspired, right? We get a little cynical. A lot of my students who are not raised in the sort of, you know, in the Orthodox community might see an Orthodox Jew just kind of like, you know, being very matter of fact about coming to shul and just sort of going what looks like they're going through the motions. But the truth is, as uninspiring as it may appear on the surface, on a deeper level, it's quite profound. Of course, it wouldn't be a good thing if, if, they, if the person always looked so uninspired. But if mitzvot are part of our everyday lives and they're part of a discipline, then a little routine and monotony is going to be in order. We never ask someone why they're staying up late at work to get a project done, even though they're not particularly inspired by it. Why somebody schleps to the gym to work out when they clearly would prefer to just veg out on the couch and watch Netflix. We do those things because they're necessary to have a successful career or to lead a healthy life. And similarly, we engage in Torah and mitzvot, ideally because we're feeling pumped and emotionally inspired to do so, but also when we're not, because that demonstrates that our relationship with God isn't just about the way we're feeling. It's also because we're committed to it and also what we believe God wants from us. If we only engage the Almighty on our terms, we only daven or pray when we feel like it. We observe Shabbat when we're in the mood. We keep kosher when it's convenient. And like everything else important in life, we will fail to grow from those experiences. We maybe stay in the game, but it's going to plateau. And we're just going to glide. Ironically, doing things only when they're meaningful can result in them losing their meaning altogether. Success at anything real in life particularly in the realm of Torah and mitzvot, requires discipline, and most importantly, the ability to do something even in the absence of a strong desire. And I know this is true because I saw it many years ago on Oprah. Yeah, something happens on Oprah, you know what happens. Oprah had um, this show on the amazing four blue zones. Those are um, areas of the world where people live to very old age, octogenarians, like 106, 107, 108 year olds, and there was a guy who did his doctoral dissertation on the four blue zones in the world. And he said that the common denominator of people who live so long, they have a certain diet, they work until they die, they have none of this retirement stuff. And finally, he said, sustained and consistent spiritual practices. Oprah said that if you just dabble like praying, or if they dabble, they pray once in a while, that does not contribute. There's no positive corollary to 
correlation rather to long life, longevity, unless you pray consistently, sustained over a long period of time. That's what makes us live longer. That's really what makes us live. What do we have in our Judaism that we do rain or shine, whether we feel like it or not? What do we do to express our connection to God, even if on a, a given morning we wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Do we still say, Ani, thank you, God, for getting me up? Do we recite the morning blessings? And I would argue it's those very mitzvot, the ones for which we're not feeling very much. And it's at those very times when we are perhaps lacking inspiration that we express our greatest commitment to God. It's at those times that we transform ourselves into what the sages call an Eved Hashem, into a true servant of the Almighty. And so the next time we're not feeling whatever it is that ideally we should feel, take advantage of that opportunity. That's Hashem sending you a way to connect on an even deeper level. Thank you for listening.